You are listening to This Is Spinal Crab, the podcast about living well with a spinal cord injury. Remember, if you heard it on This Is Spinal Crap, it's probably not medically correct, so always check with your spinal unit or an appropriate medical professional. This Is Spinal Crap is sponsored by Colorplast, providing effective solutions for bladder and bowel management. Hello and welcome back to This Is Spinal Crap. I am Ruth Early, and as usual, I am joined by Grace Spence-Green. Hi, Gracie. Hello. How are you doing today? I'm doing all right. I'm doing all right. I'm trying to settle back into um, online university, which is a bit challenging, but um, it's fine. Yeah, I'm doing okay. It seems like about five minutes ago that we were congratulating you for finishing your exams and you're already back to uni. Yeah, yeah, unfortunately so. (laughs) Joys, joys. But hey, one more year and then it's... I would say it's all over, but it was really just starting, isn't it? (laughs) (laughs) I think I've got 426 days, they said, till till I'm a doctor, but that's fine. (laughs) Well, we are joined today by a very special guest. Today we want to talk all about art, because we've been talking quite a bit about art, haven't we, Grace? And there's so many people that are talking about art um, or crafts or anything creative during lockdown. People are finding all these new skills and trying to develop new talents. So we have for a long time wanted to talk about art and in particular we wanted to talk to the lovely Mr Henry Fraser so thank you for joining us Henry. Thank you for having me on it's a pleasure. Yeah delighted to have you here because your art pops up um, all over the place so we wanted to talk to you a lot about it because you are not just any artist you are a mouth artist is that how you would consider yourself? Yeah I still like to um, always put mouth artist rather than just artist um because yeah um i mean some people say it's just artist but i think it kind of does define me as an artist it's part of why i do the art i do and kind of who i am so i use it as kind of a tag and a symbol for kind of who i am and what i'm doing i guess I mean, I'm fascinated by it. So I'd love to ask you about, okay, for anybody who isn't familiar with what you do, can you explain to us what your art is all about? Um, so, yeah, so I'm paralysed from the top of my shoulders down. So I was trying to use arms and things to create the art. So um, five years ago, I started drawing um, on an iPad. You know, you'll use an iPad to write and social media and email and stuff and things like that. My, Holding a mouth stick, um, a piece of plastic with a little V bit on the end, a couple of rubber bits that grip between my teeth. So I taped a stylus to the end of it and just started using an iPad. So I first started drawing on that and then kind of progressed through um, into pencils and then paints. And it's kind of all kind of gone a bit wild since then, but it's, um, it's been good fun starting it and it's been kind of mad five, five and a half years now, you know. Um, and you, I mean, your your art appears in some of the most weird and wonderful places. Did I see it somewhere recently on Instagram? Who who was it recently had your art in the background on Instagram? Oh, um, yeah, Chris Martin. That was it. Wow. Yeah, well, I had no idea. He had, um, because along with the pieces I paint, um, for one of my exhibitions, I um, painted kind of, Quotes that I use in talks that I give and stuff that 
kind of things that people respond to most. And one of those things is just be grateful. And then it was, um, it was a, my friend's younger brother screenshotted it and sent it to me. He said, is that your work in the background when Chris Martin's doing his kind of live, um, Insta live stories and things? And I was like, oh, yeah, just crap. <laughs> yeah, that is. That's amazing. <laughs> yeah, I, I had no idea it was over there. I had no idea he had it. I, so I was, I was kind of shocked. I was like, I'm definitely running with that. Yeah, that's big. <laughs> Absolutely, and rightly so. That is really cool. Um, so what other? So you do um, so quotes from your talks, um, which is brilliant. Um, and do you do anything else? Uh, what What other kind of styles do you go for? So when I first started, it was um, kind of when I was just thinking about stuff to draw. So when I first started, really basic stuff. It wasn't there wasn't really much to it, but I really enjoyed it. Um, I've got I love sport, love rugby, obviously. 2003 World Cup when England won. Johnny Wilkinson dropped goal. First thing in my head was like, okay, I'll draw that. So then I started off most of my early stuff was just sports stars and people that I've, sports stars that I've admired, that I've loved when growing up and followed. And after that, it progressed into, um, just, I had a, um, my grandparents commissioned me to paint their dog who died, um, a while ago. And then I started painting animals after that because, I don't know how or why, or just seemed to work out that how I was painting the style and things I was doing seemed to work really well with animals. And most recent stuff, I guess, is far more animal-based in nature. And the good thing about art and kind of what I do, what I'm doing, is I'm constantly able to try new things and do different things and not kind of don't allow myself to get too complacent when things go well. I kind of try and push myself in different ways and try new style of new paints, new kind of combinations and things and that's one thing that I kind of really enjoy and that kind of that really keeps me motivated doing that. If you make a mistake, how difficult is it to go back and fix it? Oh very. <laughs> um, so when I first started again I was so kind of tentative and worried about every single mark I was making. Um, obviously it's a whole new process to me, a whole new kind of way of painting and seeing things and and it just, I kind of didn't have confidence in myself to kind of just go for it and really kind of push myself. So at the start, it was difficult and it was tiring, that kind of mental concentration and physical. And so I really make sure my neck and shoulders are kind of keeping as still as I can and um, paintbrush to canvas and things like that. But as I progress, it has become a lot easier with confidence. But I guess that's one of those things with kind of everything I've been through, everything I've learned is that kind of patience you need to kind of not expect things to happen straight away and things will immediately work. It's about allowing yourself time for it to kind of naturally happen. And as long as you're kind of able um, to kind of push yourself and keep yourself motivated, as long as you have the patience, things kind of do work out. Because your paintings are very, like, detailed. I've seen some that you've had on Instagram recently, like with tigers and stag that you did there the last few days. And it was like, they're so detailed. How do you get that precision just using your mouth? Um, very steady. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I've got pretty strong neck, so that helps. It's only a pretty big head, so it has to be strong, so that's fine. <laughs> But, uh, I mean, the detail and stuff and things is something that I've always loved. Um, I've always kind of been a precise person. I've always tried to be as 
kind of when I've done art, I was always trying to be as perfect and precise as possible. Um, and I have allowed myself to, to kind of, as I've got more confidence, I've been, I haven't thought so much about the detail. I've just kind of gone into it and thought, I'm just going to go for it and how it works. It works. Then the detail bits just come naturally as, as I progress through the painting. I'm not thinking so much about these things now. They just happen. I think it's just, obviously I've done it so many times now. It's just part and parcel of, I guess, muscle memory or whatever. Something's there. Henry, I love um, the recent one you've done, yeah, of the deer. I think it's so striking with that um, kind of block background. How long does a piece like that take you? Because it looks, you know, really big and detailed, as Ruth said. Yeah, thank you. The, um, so the, I always paint on this A3 mountain. Um, so those block, those blocks of card that um, I just ordered off the internet. Um, so I wanted to try... Rather than painting in background, I want to try painting an already existing coloured background and see what happens. And again, it's, it just seems to work really well. What I do to kind of those single um, images on a coloured background seems to really bring them out more. And the stand actually didn't take very long. I think it was a couple of days. Um, because that wasn't, because it was just black and white. Black and white ones I, I really enjoy doing because they're just quick and I can lose myself in them quite easily. Um, I really don't have to think as much. <laughs> I'm giving away the secrets. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm amazed how, like, how your eyes must be so close to, because it's only you know a paintbrush distance away from the painting. Yeah. So, like for example, you did I saw a picture that you did of Shane McGowan, which I thought was incredible, but to get it so perfect, um, like I just, I mean, I, 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 I. I dabble in random little bits of, of arts and crafts and stuff, but I have to have a, and my hands work perfectly. I have to have a, like an overall vision of it. So when your eyes are that close to it, I mean, how do you have to like bring yourself back or how do you yeah, see I, the whole thing? As, as I've progressed and gone through the whole process and everything, I've made sure that I paint for much shorter periods of time. Because as it, as I sit there for too long in the easel, I can re like really start to lose the perspective, being so close. Um, kind of start to get a bit cross-eyed. Things start to in my head look wrong. But if I leave it, as soon as now I know, as soon as I start feeling like that, I just have to leave the easel and I'll go away and then come back to it the next day, and then I see it completely differently to how I left it. And then I'll kind of that's just again one of the things that I've learned. Um, because there are times when I used to spend hours, four or five hours a day, four or five days in a row painting. And it was more just out of me wanting to complete a painting and just get through it rather than enjoying it right the whole way through. And it was those little movements. And it was tiring my neck, it was tiring my eyes, it was tiring me mentally. But it's just those things you learn as you, as with anything in life, the more you do it, the more you, you just learn. You just, have patience with yourself and with what you're doing and yeah things hopefully work out how have you been finding in quarantine henry your your painting have you been finding you've got more kind of motivation and inspiration or the opposite it's been great i've really enjoyed it it's actually this whole thing's actually going to be time to paint start of the year end of last year start of this year it was all about just finishing the book my book and getting that done and it was just focus on that and 
I didn't really have any. I got maybe one or two paintings done, but I didn't really have time to enjoy them or enjoy what I was doing. Whereas now, obviously, you've been locked in, I'm not going out and doing talks. I'm just at home, so I can dip in and out, and painting kind of every other day or something. Not really have to worry about time constraints or really what else is going on. I can just focus, be there, and lose myself. And it's and then obviously seeing everyone else um, who's kind of on social media and on TV or the art programs and people really getting, as I was saying earlier, people really um, kind of getting creative and trying new things. And yeah, that's definitely encouraged me to try different kind of backgrounds, try kind of new combinations and things, which is it's great. I love how these things kind of feed into each other. That's really cool. You mentioned there your book, The Power in You. Um, when did that come out? A month ago. Oh wow, okay. And so in your in your book, I presume that you go through all of your the process uh, behind your painting, but also your personal journey. Yeah, so this um so this second book is so if I, my first book um, I wrote The Little Week Things, that was about my journey. That was a memoir style. But kind of what happens from the accident and up to kind of what I'm doing now. But in that book I never really um had the chance, I guess, or the confidence to really kind of put myself out there. I explained kind of the depths of what happened and kind of physically, like exactly what happened mentally, the darkest moments. But I never really shared how I got through those times properly and kind of everything that's going on now and the day-to-day things I have to go through. Um, so that's what the second book is based, based on, really. And it's each chapter is a different, based around... The whole book's based around questions that I'm frequently asked. So it's anything from kind of what do I do all day to do I feel pain? How do I deal with setbacks? My loss of independence and acceptance and all those things. So that was, it was cool for me because it meant I had to think differently. I had to, um, thinking kind of to how I was feeling back when it all happened and the early moments, especially because for me, all the things I do now that I kind of talk to people about are things that I've just ingrained so much in my own head that I don't really think about them, they're just there. So I'm to think differently, I guess think more philosophically about life and what I'm doing and the things I've done, putting those into words was um, was a new challenge, but um, it was a bit slow at the start, but it was fun and I enjoyed it. And it really happened with the final products as well. Did you have moments when you were writing it that you must have had like very reflective moments? Were, were there moments that were quite tough to get through? No, through both through both books, I've never had any moments where they they've been tough. Because for me, it was um, early on. I wrote I had my I had a website that started I think um, about a year after my accident. So I wrote pretty much my whole story on that website, um, and I did it. I was using voice control um, technology at that point, so I was having to do all this and saying it all out loud. I was saying that I'll add to computer, but it was also to myself. It was the first time I guess I'd really ever, I'd never really thought about it. And, but it was the first time that I'd really expressed those kind of feelings, everything I've been through to me. I, I had just kind of got through the rehab. I just tried to get on with my life, but I hadn't really felt those emotions so much. So for me, that was a big part of kind of the next stage of acceptance for me and everything that was going on. Um, and then, through talks and stuff, I share my story a lot. And I talk through the very dark moments and the tough times, but for me, I think I've just become so used to it. It's just become a bit um, 
the less emotional for me. I mean, I remember when I recorded the audiobook for the first one, the um, guy came around to pause me to always stop me and go, can you have uh, any, can you, uh, you actually put some emotion into this? This is a, it's a pretty, <laughs> pretty harrowing bit of the book and you're just kind of so blasé through it and I'm like, yeah, it's just... Uh. <laughs> What's been your favourite thing to paint? Uh, big cats, big wild cats, my favourite. You have one on the cover of the of the new book, don't you? That's that's Mount that's Everest, yeah. Oh. That for me, that painting though is the most kind of I think it holds the most kind of meaning for me. Um I mean I painted that, it was four years ago now when I painted that one. But I spent that was um, earlier on talking about I spent too many days, too many hours painting. That was five days, four five, four or five days in a row and about five hours a day sitting on the easel. That's five hours straight without any breaks at the easel. And it was got to the point where at the end I was just wanting to finish it. And I still wasn't confident myself painting. And all the little black lines are just so tiny and I spent ages and it was slow and long and all, all these things. And it really, it lifts my body completely. And I then spent the next three days, I barely got out of bed for three days. Um, I was just so tired. And, there's a real point for me where I just kind of sat back and went, all right, okay, now I need to really, really learn from this and not push myself like that. It's not, it is good to push yourself, but no one is a detriment to your own health and your own time. Um, so it made me sit back and take my time now at the easel, reduce it. And I won't do more than three hours in one minute now at the easel. I won't do more than two days in a row, really. Three maybe if they're short sessions, but because I want to enjoy it. I want to enjoy that moment, I want to enjoy that time, but I want to enjoy doing other things in my day and my life and reading and writing and those things. And I can't do those if I'm mentally and physically exhausted. So that was a that's why it kind of worked out really well that um it's the front cover of that book. Because it is one of those key lessons that for me it was huge. It was a big thing. And it was just as a matter of um Matter of charge actually, the publishers around. And we were talking about the front cover and things, and kind of what I would like to paint for the front cover. And I wasn't really sure. And they just asked me if I had any paintings here in the house. And she's happened to be sitting right next to the painting Everest that my parents wanted to put on the wall in the house. And she saw it and straight away she was like, that's it, that's the one. And then it was only when in the book, when I was talking about paintings, my favorite ones, the most meaningful ones, and that was. That was the one I just kept coming back to because it has it has been it may not have been my favourite process and mountains aren't always my favourite thing to paint. I've only done two, but um, but it holds a lot holds a lot of um, lot of story in it for me. I think that's something we come across so regularly, isn't it, Grace? Um, we come back to it all the time by pushing ourselves, or we've spoken to guests, or even amongst ourselves, or with the boys. Um, and it's something we all we're all uh, you know guilty of doing it of pushing ourselves too far and too hard, um, and then and then facing the consequences for it. Yeah, definitely. Especially when it's something as you say, Henry, it's something you're really passionate about. So you, you know you want to keep doing it and you getting into it, but having to balance that with you know other things you you want to do. Yeah, and it's such a natural. Like you said, it's such, such a natural thing for us to want to. Kind of get them do do it as best we can, as much as we can, as quick as we can. All those things because you kind of think that's the most satisfying thing about it. But it's only when you kind of 
you have to, I guess, go through that process of pushing yourself hard to then realize actually that satisfaction comes now. You can kind of change what the satisfaction is in that moment and in what you're doing. How important, uh, Henry, has kind of art been to your recovery and, and life, would you say? To my life now, it's huge. The past five years have been um, with it. The art has been insane. It's been mad. Um, at the start, I just remember, because I mean, when, so when I was young, I mean, I loved art. Kind of in a very, um, very creative household. Um, my dad's graphic designer by trade. Um, mom does last interior design and houses full of color. You, I mean, the wall behind us isn't so colorful, but the rest of the house is very colorful. Um, but so we're always kind of surrounded by the, all these things. So growing up, I really loved it. And as I got older, I was studying through GCSE and AS level, right up to just for the accident. Um, I really started to fall out of love with it because for me, my rugby was going well. I had to commit a lot of time to that. And as anyone knows who studies art, you have to give time to that as well. You can't just kind of do it out of and come back and forth from it. You have to commit hard to it. And I didn't want to do that. When I wanted to play rugby, I wanted to be outside. I wanted to be in the gym. I wanted to do other things. So it just came this really annoying kind of little nagging thing following me around. Um, so if I had the accident at the end of school, I would 100% dropped off. We never, probably never went there again. Um, then when I remember when I had the accident, I didn't think about it for years. I remember in hospital, there were some of the most amazing mouth paintings um, around some of the break rooms and stuff. And someone in my family said to me one day, oh, why don't you give that a go? And I said, no, no, I'm far too lazy for that. I'll never do that. It's uh, amazing what five years can do. Um, and then, yeah, then it was only because when I started drawing the iPad, it's because I had a pressure sore on my back, which went on to stay in bed for a while until it healed. And the times I was able to sit up in bed um, with some cushions on my back, I was able to go on my iPad and I started drawing. And for me, that was such a nice release. I wasn't just staring at the TV, watching you know, the same things over and over. I was doing something different. So for me, it was that kind of new challenge, a new, having done nothing for two, three weeks. It was that challenge I was able to look and go, oh, no, and start pushing myself again in a different way that I hadn't done before. Um, so for me, it was a massive turning point. And again, it's only because of the accident, only because of other circumstances that I am doing art. And it's so nice to have that same love and enjoyment and yeah, just those great times I had when I was young. I get them back again now. I'm interested to hear more about your um, speaking. So you said that you you do some um, some speaking. What, what kind of organisations do you speak at or what kind of events? So at the start, it was um, mostly sports teams because a lot of my story is about um, about the kind of network and the support I had around me, which is it's a huge part of my story and my journey and everything I've been through. But then it was just, um, as I was kind of developing it and we went through it, things changed slightly. And now, a lot of it's businesses now, um, you know, the usual kind of company retreats and stuff. I've done a few schools, I've done a few charities, um, I've done a couple of, a few prison talks as well, which have been great. They've been, like amazingly eye-opening and obviously things I'd never do and, um, and things like the talk again <laughs> things I'd never do things like the art I would have stopped public speaking for me is 
another huge thing that um, I mean, again, I write about this in the paranormal latest book, saying that it used to be the most terrifying thing in the world to me as public speaking. Like, I would just get so mortified by the thought of it. And there even there was even a time of GCS English where part of it, you have to do a presentation to the class. And I kept managing all week, I was managing to avoid it and do it. And I knew my time was coming. Luckily, that weekend, I'd had a rubber match and had my face booted in a few times. So I'm, I'm basically feigned a delayed concussion, took it out and talk. Just so I needed to get out of that lesson, I couldn't do it. And so for me, the public speaking thing is another kind of huge, huge turning point in my life because it's now a big part of my life. It's, it's given me more confidence than I ever had at any time ever in my life before the accident. It's made me far more outgoing. I mean, if we had this conversation, if we've just had a conversation <laughs> before the accident between us, you'd barely get two words out of me. Um, <laughs> so now it's, it's one of those things where it's given me the opportunity to share my story and push myself. I can be at home at my easel in my own little world. That same joy I had when I was young and my own space, but then I have the extra challenge of every now and then stepping outside my comfort zone and doing something that pushes me in a different way and keeps me kind of thinking, keeps me on my toes. And I would say the first time I was off to that talk, the first talk I gave, was the best decision that I ever made in my life and probably be the best decision I'll ever make in my life because the confidence given me has allowed me to write the first book, which led to the second book, which has given me opportunities to do the other things I would have done on shows and present to people that I never would have met and meet my own heroes growing up and all these things. Again, without the accident, I never would have had that. And, you know, it's one of those things that I like to say that adversity has given me a gift. That's an amazing way to look at it. And I think your positive attitude very much comes across. I'm noticing the hoodie that you're currently wearing today, but also I've seen that you wear them um, in some photos on Instagram. Do you have a collection of uh, positive hoodies? So um, I use this website basically where I run kind of one week, two week campaigns where I'll just sell. um, Basically people ordering at the end of the campaign if it's successful, people have them sent out for them. So I'll kind of do them in cycles for um, charities and other things along the way. So they might be back up at some point soon. I don't know yet. Um, But yeah, I reckon at some point I'll bring them back out again. Brilliant. Brilliant. The one that you're wearing today, what does it say? Uh, This one says, accept and adapt. Nice. (laughs) That kind of your, um, your life motto. Yeah. And it's one of the things that, that kind of keeps going back whenever I do anything. Um, in kind of different forms, but it's always down to accept, accept and adapt because, um, again, pre accident, I was a very negative person, negative thinker, but always going to every situation looking at, um, kind of the worst outcome and everything about the good things that could happen at the other end of it. And then when something bad did go wrong, you know, I dwell on it and I'd always, it always just kind of drag me down and make me feel crap and not enjoy things or kind of my social life or things like that. It would bug me for ages. Um, so, yeah, that kind of constantly telling myself acceptance. Because the moment you accept is the moment that you can, you can then move on and adapt and change your, 
not your situation, but you can change kind of how you're thinking and move on. You're not dwelling, you're not sitting still. Um, you know, except doesn't just happen. It takes time. It takes patience. It takes stages. There are definitely, I mean, for me, my acceptance came in three, four different stages along the, along the way. Um, I think it took me a good, uh, 13 months before I fully accepted what, what happened. But that moment was then able to really move on and be out in the real world again and live my, live my life in the way I want to live it. Henry, what advice would you give to um, people maybe newly injured or, or not, kind of looking, wanting to do something creative or maybe wanting yeah, to paint or anything like that? I mean, for me, it was about doing lots of research before I started. So when I was on the iPad, it was obviously I just had the equipment there to do it. Um, but then when I was able to go out to bed and do try different things, so I just tried. I tried loads of different things. I was... Um, I didn't kind of expect it to happen straight away. Maybe on a couple of drawings or a couple of paintings, I did, I did get annoyed because I weren't coming. They didn't work after three days and I just kept pushing myself through it rather than I was just being stubborn and not saying, I guess, rubbish, throw it away. Um, but I say to people again, just, yeah, research and have patience again because it's, again, it's a whole new, it's going to be a whole new um, situation for you when you do try it. You've got to allow yourself to get used to the, if it's a new way of doing it, you've got to allow yourself to get used to those movements and kind of time. And I guess, like I said, for me, it was learning about the time management for me. And I think a lot of these things do, I've said it, I guess, many times now, is patience. It's, all these things for me, when you look back through it, is patience. And you have to allow yourself that time. You have to kind of, you can't be harder on yourself. You've got to be kind and kind of just tell yourself like okay maybe that doesn't work i'll try this and that doesn't work i'll try this and it's okay if things don't work it's absolutely fine it's i mean there's so many times along the way that i've tried things and failed but now i'm in a place where i know exactly what works but i wouldn't know that if i hadn't failed if i hadn't pushed myself too hard if i hadn't done these things and i guess any progress is good progress as well um any time you recognise progress in what you're doing in yourself, no matter no matter how small it might seem, no matter how insignificant it might be, recognising progress is huge. It kind of lifts you so much that it just makes you feel so much happier and better about what you're doing. And then that can give you confidence moving on and trying new stuff again. All these things just kind of feed back and forth to each other. And I guess for me, that's what worked for me. I don't want to work for everyone, but those are kind of the things I took from it and those things that I did. I've been using uh, quarantine to um, try and be a little bit more creative. And one of the things that I've done is I've joined um, so the Backup Lounge every Friday afternoon. And um, they have one of their groups there is an arts and crafts group. So I joined that. It's really, I could not recommend it highly enough for people who are creative, but maybe just kind of need a little bit of, 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 of a network around them or people to encourage them or something, because it's actually such a lovely little network of people who, and we talk about 
everything and everybody does a little bit of painting or embroidery or uh, uh, all sorts of all sorts of different things like and we have a little theme every week so we try to do something during that week so even if we're out doing something in the garden or like I write a lot so there's there's a lot of that kind of stuff but it, it's really got me into painting I'm not particularly good I just really find it really good for mindfulness which I think is probably one of the main things that people would use it for. But also, myself and Gracie were talking about this the other day, it's absolutely brilliant for, as a distraction, I get very bad nerve pain. And it just passes so many hours when you're having, when you're in pain. Um, and so I've really, really taken to it. I think my mental well-being has improved an awful lot because of art over the last couple of months. So do you find that, Henry, that it's good for your mental wellness? Yeah, I mean, that's the great thing about art, is about painting, about drawing, about anything creative. It's, and I think especially, I mean, my dad always has always said to me, and we always says it, is that any, everyone can draw and paint. We just all do it differently. We all have our own style. But yeah, everyone can draw and paint in different situations. The moment you, people are able to kind of move on in their heads of going, oh, it doesn't look exactly like a thing I'm drawing exactly I think I'm painting people are able to really enjoy that so much more because it is that there's so much satisfaction of just creating something anything there's you get to own product and you just kind of brought something out of the blue to on a piece of paper or or in a garden something you planted and things like that and I think that's great and yeah for me it's because for me mentally it, is, it takes me to that place where I was when I was a kid and enjoying things and really kind of being happy. Um, so for me, yes, great. And again, it's that, like I said earlier, it's that the easel was my comfort zone, my happy place, I guess. Um, so it's nice to always kind of go back to it. Um, as I'm, and I'm very lucky that I get to kind of go to and from it when I can. I'm very lucky that I have the time to be able to do that. And, so for me, it's yeah, it's a big, it's a huge part of my life, and probably be part of it for a very long time. Henry, I'm um, I'm thinking of uh, re redecorating my my flat. So if I wanted to join the likes of Chris Martin and own a, an original Henry Fraser piece, how would I go about that? Um, thank you. Yeah, <laughs> lots of lots available on um, henryfraserarts.com. Um, I mostly at the minute I mostly sell limited edition uh, prints. I'm a bit of a hoarder. Um, <laughs> always, uh, most originals are staying put now. Um, I mean, I don't even look at them. I don't even know why I keep them, to be honest. Most of the time, I paint it, scan it, put it in an envelope and just stack it in the study. So, to be fair, I think my parents get annoyed I'm taking up room in the study. And how can people find you if they want to see some of the, the, the images we've been discussing or further work that you're doing? Um, where can they find you on Instagram or on, on the web? Um, so Twitter and Instagram are both um, at Henry Fraser Zero. Um, very lucky I managed to nap both the same hands. Good, yeah. We couldn't do that. I've got it very good, very good. Um, and your book, then, either either of the books, if people want to get their hands on those, how do they go about it? Um, yeah, so they're on um, online on Waterstone, Spoils, and Amazon. Yeah, I mean, I guess it'll, be on, it'll only be online for a while, I guess, with everything else going on. Um, 
Are you going to have a big launch party after lockdown? I hope so, yeah. <laughs> I mean, the first one was big, so it's only right that we at least match it. Um, <laughs> As you said, you have to mark progress. Hey, yeah, thanks, yeah. That's for it. Thank you. <laughs> Definitely seen that. <laughs> very good, very good. Well, we hope we wish you all the best of luck with it and success. Um, I'm sure there's no luck involved at all. Um, and I'm very much looking forward to having, well, at least a, a print, a Henry Fraser print in my eyes. I'll send you a pic of it once it's hanging on a wall. Yeah, me too. Before we go, Gracie, um, you're very creative as well. You haven't, you haven't chipped in there about your creativity. Well, yeah, I've been doing a little bit of painting here and there. Little, I um, I really like watercolors. I can't paint like anyway. I couldn't use you know the paints you use because I'm just I'm too scared of them. I think because they're so kind of yeah. You do watercolors very forgiving. I find. <laughs> um. So yeah, I've been doing little bits of watercoloring and a bit of knitting here and there. But I'm inspired now after this conversation. I think I'm going to go and paint today I think that's going to be my afternoon activity so thank you for that gosh amazing and actually at the time that we're recording this is just before um I'm meeting with the uh, arts and crafts group from the backup lounge so um I'll definitely give them loads of info as well and hopefully people listening to this podcast will um will feel a little bit inspired to do something creative um and to check out your your work a bit more gracie where can people find us on social media um so they can find us on um this is spinal crap on instagram or spinal at spinal crap show on facebook and twitter or you can email us at this is spinal crap at gmail.com um and if you like the podcast please remember to rate uh leave a review and subscribe so other people can find us um and remember that our cafe is uh, on Thursdays at 3 p.m. It is. And we should also, Grace, at this point, mention to our listeners that um, with the whole uh, COVID-19 crisis kind of easing a little bit oh, in the in the coming weeks and months, we are going to be winding up our podcast series because we just kind of need a little bit of a sleepy time. Grace needs to get back to her studying and <laughs> we just have more time in our art. So... Um, after, after at the end of June, our last episode will be on the, on the track. Here. Make the most of the time. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> so, um, and I think there's so much out there now. It's so much good stuff that we hope will continue that uh, organisations are are putting on for people online. Um, and so there's there's plenty of stuff for people to avail of. As I said, the backup lounge and also SIA have their lounges or their cafes uh, Mondays and Wednesdays at three o'clock, which are always well worth popping in to see. And you can get the links to that on their social media channels. If you need any coronavirus related information um, or worried about spinal cord injury and coronavirus, please visit the SIA website, which is www.spinal.co.uk. And on there, you will get their advice line number if you are in need of any um, you know, specific advice for you. So um, that, I believe, is, is us and all of our housekeeping wrapped up, Gracie. Uh, thank you for joining us, Henry. It's been lovely speaking to you. No, thanks for having me on. Hopefully catch you again in the future. Yes. <laughs> Until next time, this is Spinal Crap. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to This is Spinal Crap. And thank you to our sponsors, Colaplast. 
If you like this week's show, please be sure to subscribe and follow us on social media.